Hey guys, it's Elizabeth St. John here. And it's Joel St. John. And today we are talking about deconstruction. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for this topic. Um, I know if, you know, you follow a lot of Christians on social media, uh, especially like Christian influencers, it seems like this has been the topic on everyone's mind for the past, like what, year? Now I'd say probably two years. I think COVID kicked it off. Yeah, it's been happening for a long time. I think in general it has happened, but it becoming almost like a cultural phenomena. Yeah. Uh, phenomenon. Yeah. Phenomenon. Um, I would say last two years, yeah. uh, deconstruction has been a thing. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, my super smart husband is actually in seminary right now. So he is working. He doesn't want to tell people. So like literally very few people know, but he's going to be graduating with his theology degree guys next month. Well, next month he finishes his last exam and then May is his graduation. So March he's done. So you guys can just congratulate him on that. He's rolling his eyes, but I'm super excited and happy for him. The reason I say all of that is he's a smarty pants theologically and great at research when it comes to digging into these things. So he's going to be taking the lead on deconstruction. So teach us, babes, what is deconstruction? (laughs) Well, thank you for the intro. Um, uh, Deconstruction, I think, has... Well, there's a definition, but there is a lot of definitions that are floating around out there. Yeah. So I think for our discussion, I think I'll give the more academic uh, definition of what deconstruction is Mm -hmm. and then probably a bit more street level of what um, is every everyday people walking around would probably have a bit more familiarity with it. So the first um Uh, definition of deconstruction is it's a form of a philosophical and literary analysis uh, derived mainly from the work of uh, a French philosopher. His name is Jacques Derrida. Jacques Derrida. It started around in the 1960s Mm -hmm. um, and it questioned the fundamental uh, conceptual distinctions or oppositions in Western philosophy through a close examination of the language and logic of philosophical and literary texts. Okay. Okay. That sounded like a bunch of like... (laughs) Yeah, people just were gone after yeah. they were Jack Dorita. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So, so that is, I would say, an academic understanding of deconstruction. Okay. Uh, a bit more street level is, um, and this was actually put together by the Sophia Society, which I thought was really great, um, is that deconstruction takes an idea, mm-hmm. practice, tradition, belief, or system into smaller components to examine their foundation truthfulness usefulness and impact interesting yeah okay okay so so deconstruction is what you wouldn't think in your mind if something is being deconstructed or constructed constructed build up Mm -hmm. deconstructed broken down so the whole point is we want to break down concepts and examine them yeah right and i love what they say here foundation truthfulness usefulness and impact Mm. so so that's pretty much what deconstruction is. What do you think about that? 
I think that that second definition is super helpful. The first definition at least gives us a way to put into context what's happening right now. Um, So we know it's a fairly recent movement, uh, you know, that comes the 1960s was also the time of a lot of social change. So that means the civil uh, the civil rights movement, women's lib movement, um, a lot of changes that happened from that. So it's like this deconstruction movement or thought or philosophy was also let's say birthed during that time period. Um, with the second definition, what comes to me is that deconstruction in and of itself isn't necessarily uh, a negative or a good thing. It doesn't, you know, to tear something apart and evaluate it. I think we can even say that Jesus did that in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, he looked at the traditions at the time, the traditions of man. And, you know, he said, uh, what, what's that part where he's questioning? And he's like, um, it was said, or you believe. And then he yeah. sort of pushes them to look deeper. Yeah. So we could see that as a form of deconstruction. He was mm-hmm. deconstructing the way they viewed the laws that God gave or the way they viewed a certain tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we should all do that, but maybe we can go a bit more into why people are deconstructing and, and what that actually looks like. Now. Yeah. So, so this is where I think, um, we kind of get the understanding of what is going on in people's heads. Yeah. Uh, it's the motivation. So um, doing some research, the Gospel Coalition, great, great group of people over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came up with like four um, main causes, I would say, four headings. Now, I'm sure people that do deconstruct or are in deconstruction right now probably think oh there's a million reasons why but generally they all fall into these four categories so Mm -hmm. the first one is church hurt right so um this is looking at people that are deconstructing because they've been wounded uh by abusive or manipulative church leaders Mm -hmm. um and unhealthy church cultures yeah um and often these relationships were intimate informative you know like it's the pastor you grew up with or this mentor that you trusted um and we can even see influential leaders right so we can look at people like ravi zachariah carl lentz mark driscoll uh people that were teachers people followed them and because of their uh misconduct yeah um people were hurt Mm -hmm. and um yeah I, i think that's probably the one I've seen a lot. Um, what do you think about church hurt? Yeah, I feel like hmm, I don't want to make generalizations because there are people who've probably been in church, you know, for a long time, and they're like, "All my experiences are great." I'm sure that person mm-hmm. has. There is a person like that out there that has experienced that. But yeah, uh, I feel like just from our lived experiences alone of growing up in the church you're pretty much bound to experience some form of church hurt. It may not be uh, the super big thing of your pastor having some kind of huge misconduct, right? Like abuse scandal that really breaks you in that way because you really trusted them or looked up to them. Um, But 
almost all of us in the church have had someone that theologically maybe we looked up to on some level or yeah, benefited yeah. from the resources and we found out years later of the scandal that happened like Ravi Zacharias or uh, Carl Lentz if you listen to them or whatever it is. So I feel like church hurt is sort of, it's bound to happen because the church is full of broken people mm-hmm. who will make mistakes. Yeah. So. Yeah, no. So I, I, I agree. Um, I, I think the second one is actually pretty interesting here. Mm-hmm. They listed poor teaching. Mm. Um, and there's a, a few things that it's like, because the, we can be torn on it yeah. um, instead of people doing maybe their due justice, uh, especially pastors and people that are standing in front of the people Sunday after Sunday, yeah. doing the research, doing the hard work of research and, and putting the truth in front of people. Sometimes we that it tend to take sides. So, mm-hmm. and that comes out in bad exegesis. Mm-hmm. Um, exegesis literally um, is a simple, well, I shouldn't say simple, but it's, it's a one word that un- describes a concept mm-hmm. yeah, exegesis is looking at the text of scripture and, un- and trying to figure out what it means okay right um so there's another word that we would normally say, normally say is eisegesis mm-hmm. eisegesis is known as bad exegesis because eisegesis is you're trying to read into the scripture what you want okay to so see. like i putting i into the jesus Yes, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Right. So, the, and, and I think, I think what's difficult is we read the text of scripture differently than okay. other books. And I'll be honest with you. I, I think that's probably a bad thing mm. that like we should read uh, the text of scripture like any other book. Okay. It, it has its own narratives. It has its own character. It's, it's trying to tell its own story. It has mm-hmm. a message. Um, and I think that we should take that message that it gives as the message that it gives. Yeah. Now how you would apply that message to your life is going to be different, but Mm. anyways, that's, that's not, so second one, I don't want to get caught up. Second one, gender roles. So from the pulpit, uh, Jesus, you're on church milk or any of these ones, you'll see a Mm. few clips of, uh, teachers saying some wild stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, our, our friend uh, Sheila Gregoire, she talked about it. Some of the mm-hmm. crazy stuff people would go on the mic and and, and say. Who uh, were we watching that time? This is just a funny side note. Remember that guy we were watching, and he was talking about why like husbands do things for their wives, just like weird stuff. Do you remember it, that teaching? Uh, I'll be honest. I probably should talk to my therapist about remember well, certain things I just block out. <laughs> so I, I I vaguely know what you're talking about, but honestly, it was weird. He was talking about women. Like. Yeah, but but the, the but that's the problem, right? He's on the mic. He's a pastor. Yeah, he's counseling people. Yeah, and he said so. Like when people say weird stuff, yeah, right, that can't really be backed up by scripture. Or yeah. again, it's that eisegesis thing, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's going to be problems. Um, another thing, lack of clarity. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is huge when it comes to teaching. Um, whatever your church stands for should be clear, mm. right? If you are a church that is uh, complementarian mm-hmm. and you are not egalitarian, mm-hmm. that should be clear. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be um, kind of underground, 
right? Yeah. If, if, if the ruling elders in your church should all be men according to scripture and that's mm-hmm. what you're doing, that's what it should be. Mm-hmm. So don't put elder on anybody that's not actually an elder or make this or, or make a distinction, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that, that's the reality is just, yeah. Is, so what happens is when you, um, put hierarchies on people, invisible hierarchies, people are going to get hurt. Yeah. Oh, you said I'm this or this. And it's just like, you're not treated as such. Yeah. So then things go downhill. Yeah. Big problem. And I think, uh, the next one here, sugarcoating or a lack of grace, they're just two sides of the spectrum, right? I think the scripture is offensive enough. It -hmm. takes a very hard stance. I don't think it's necessarily conservative or liberal, right or left. It has its own space and it's God's, um, God's way, God's law, God's truth. Yeah. And I think what we try to do is we either sugarcoat it. Mm -hmm. So we try to take the God of scriptures and like, you know, massage it down. So it's easier to digest for people. Yeah. Or we like takes, you know, uh, we, we cut it up and make sure that it's like as sharp and jagged as, as ever. And we try to swing it at people. Yeah. Uh, I think both approaches are wrong and it's bad teaching. Yeah. Uh, here's another one, which I do think is interesting. Some people might not agree with this, but I, I think it does open up an interesting discussion. It's the desire to sin. Mm. Right. So some people deconstruct out of their desire to sin. Many um, people in ministry would say they they suddenly have big questions about God and then they started to deconstruct their faith um and then later on they might come out oh they were cheating on their wife or mm-hmm. or or they had some sort of drug addiction or yeah. like it's it it definitely is interesting mm-hmm. when that this is probably the, 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 the dark horse one people don't want to talk about. Mm. Like you are in the faith, you know what God's law says. There's, there's a standard to how we're supposed to behave. Yeah. Um, and that, and we behave like that through the power of the Holy spirit. Right. Yeah. And there's also this will, you know, we, Paul talks about it, right? Like there's things he doesn't want to do. He does. Mm. So we know there's, there, there is sin, but then there is this, this, um, intentional lifestyle want to sin yeah. that I'm, I'm willing to break the, the conscious, the consciousness in my mind, sear my conscience yeah. or, or reject the work of the Holy spirit in my life so that I can sin. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes this deconstruction uh, door is something yeah. that people might want to open and say it yeah. and put it out there. And realistically, I think it's more of, trying to fool themselves like mm-hmm. they're trying to deconstruct their own minds so that they can sin what do you think about that yeah i think that that's it's good but i want to present another side because i think that some people might hear that and just be like oh well you know you're just trying to throw some people under the bus that want to do crazy things like sleep you know sleep with whoever they want to sleep with and that's not why you know we're deconstructing or whatever it is but I think we can also see the desire to sin as a subtle draw because, you know, for instance, we see Paul says um, anything apart from faith is sin. So that could be something as simple as how do I manage my money? 
Mm-hmm. And I know that's something I'm thinking about a lot right now. But like, even for instance, with managing money of, we know how Jesus talked about money. Mm-hmm. It was very black and white. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus held no punches while talking about money. His standard to live up to when it comes to money, if you want to be perfect, as he said, yeah, is hard. Um, and it can be very easy to be like, well, you know, Jesus was just an overly expressive guy. <laughs> we mm-hmm. don't really have to do all of A, B, C, D, E. Um, and that could be a desire to sin there. That it's easy then to look at that and to sort of walk to, well, let's really just deconstruct, <laughs> you know, Jesus's view and, and what was happening in the culture. And uh, another example is something I'm seeing a bit often right now that I've been trying to do some reading and come at it as unbiased as possible is a lot of conversation happening with uh, gender roles in marriage and the whole topic of submission. And a lot of people now are writing articles uh, and really discussing if, and we've had this conversation too, as I bounce ideas off of you, of is submission still actually needed in marriage between a husband and wife? Uh, Does the, and not mutual submission, because the whole argument is mutual submission is needed, but the wife submitting to her husband is really just, you know, well, at its root, it's problematic and we don't really need it. And, you know, what does headship really mean? And, you know, what does submission really mean? It's just caring for your husband or it's just, you know, being in agreement and friends with him or flowery things like that. But I hear that. I I understand the deconstruction, but every time I actually go to the Bible, it's pretty clear. It says, wives obey your husbands and everything as unto the Lord. (laughs) Like it's just, it's black and white. Um, So I think that the desire to sin can be a lot more subtle when things are difficult, um, when it calls something of you uh, that maybe requires you to even dig deeper. Um, Yeah, that that could be easy to walk away from. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And I I, I do think, you know, uh, the the Gospel Coalition talks about something more explicit. And I think that's obvious. Yeah, we can talk about it. But I think that subtleness that you're talking about, um, I think everybody almost goes through that. It's like, okay, well, how can I get right up against that line? Or or how far can I get away with this yeah. until it's like not exactly the center? Can I make a, a, a hole big enough in this wall that I can kind of do what I want with the, mm-hmm. you know? So, so I, I definitely think that desire to sin can be very subtle and and here's the last one which i do think is interesting it's street credibility and 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 what they meant by that is right now because deconstruction is what people are doing people are doing it yep it's literally like when everybody was wearing baggy jeans and back and and reversed jerseys Mm-hmm. Everyone was wearing baggy jeans and reverse jerseys. Yeah, it's true. When people were wearing skinny jeans, everybody was wearing skinny jeans. Like that, I, I think that says a lot about our culture. And, and the reality is, the cultural moment, the ethos of our culture is is, is strong, right? People are doubting. Yeah. Um, people are deconverting. 
Um, and because they're putting it out there and it's some, uh, some of the most popular people, like I, I think, um, to my knowledge, I don't think Ariana Grande was like a, a confessional believer. Like she, she came out and said, Hey, I am a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. But I know recently, um, uh, one of the YouTubers I watched, they just, she did, he covered a video on her, like her deconverting from Christianity. What? Yeah. She <laughs> says I'm no longer Christian, but she's taken up, uh, Kabbalah, which is like a Jewish sect. Uh, it's a sect of Judaism. Yeah, Kabbalah. So she now she's Jewish? N- not Jewish, but she's taking she has taken up some of the practices of Kabbalah. If, if that's the accurate statement. She has taken up so so it's like everybody I don't even have the brain space to process that right now, but anyways. <laughs> uh, but, but but this is the thing. Everybody is rethinking things. And I think when people's heroes are rethinking things, well this is the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like Bill Gates. Yeah. No, it's not Bill. Is it? No, it wasn't Bill Gates. It was Warren Buffett. Sorry. Mm. He's he in in economic terms. He says when the when the market is bull, he's bear. And what he's trying to say is, when the market's doing one thing, he's saying, okay, maybe I should start looking at the other. Mm. And I think that's a very wise thing to do when it's when doubt becomes mainstream. Mm. When the 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 this 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 layer of distrust for anything mm. is mainstream. Um, and you, and it's so easy to buy into that, right? Because everyone's doing it. It's, it's socially acceptable. I think it's something that we should look at and not get swept up in that undercurrent. Yeah. You know, um, there is validity to uh, authority of the authority of scripture, validity to the, uh, historicity of Christianity, yeah. But th- the reality is, how many people are actually going to do the work, yeah, of of saying, okay, is this thing wrong? Mm. Let me search it out, find it out, not not take what everybody's saying, but actually do the research for myself. And I've realized the heroes aren't doing it. Ariana Grande, whoever else you want to put up there, is not doing it. But if they're not doing it, what are the chances are? We're going to do it. Right. So yeah. I, I think that the, the, the four ones that they listed, I think are pretty accurate. Mm. So I, I think we could probably talk about it. Um, our deconstructing stories. Well, f- first of all, I would say, babes, did, did you actually go through a time of deconstruction? Did you ever really deconstruct your faith? And what, what was that like? Yeah. Um, I feel like, in a sense, I'm, I'm constantly deconstructing. Mm-hmm. So I definitely don't see it as a negative thing. Um, if anything, I see it as something that so far has been pretty impactful on my journey uh, with Christ that has pushed me harder towards truth. And like you said, it's, it's just difficult. Like taking the time to actually sit down with the word of God come with your pain, your biases, your thoughts, your emotions, um, and to still trust the foundation that God is good and what he says is true. Therefore, I have to submit my thoughts and my feelings under that in my pursuit of truth. That's hard. Mm. Um, that's very difficult. It's hard for me to do. Uh, but 
I think that if anything, during this process, it's forced me to deconstruct more of, okay, well, what have I grown up to understand about this? What is the tradition surrounding this? What is the culture surrounding this? What are maybe the sayings that I've heard? You know how some people just throw around Christian sayings and like we actually start believing that those things are scripture, even though it's like nowhere in the Bible. Yeah. Like God, God helps those who help themselves. Like you could literally build a whole (laughs) theology about that and then start saying that in prayer meetings and being like, oh, well, God didn't help me because I didn't help myself. And you just have this whole weird, um, (laughs) perspective that you've built that Mm -hmm. it's like, "Mm, you need to deconstruct that. Like, Mm -hmm. like actually search the scripture. So anyways, yeah, I think I deconstructed to be more particular. Or, or more specific, sorry. I I would say you uh, more around the certain tradition um, of Christianity that I think I was exposed to, uh, being in in black uh, charismatic church spaces. Um, just being exposed to a lot of more name it and claim it. Um, word of faith word of faith movement um healing prosperity gospel that's been it was really really difficult for me actually Mm -hmm. um and i think it was emotionally what's the word i would use i'll just say emotionally tragic yeah i actually remember probably a few years ago after one sunday like calling you on the phone and crying because I had listened to that sermon that was all very name it and claim it. Um, you know, if you're not healed or if you don't have this, it's because you didn't have enough faith. And then reading through other parts of the scripture and hearing other teachers that actually addressed that and said that that's unbiblical. And I felt like I'd been lied to. Mm. I felt like I had been purposefully led astray. Mm-hmm. and. It was really hard because it's tough when you already don't have a strong foundation as how to build your own theology because you're young and you're growing in the faith. So you rely on um, the foundation of those that are teaching you or are around you or who are older than you. And then you realize that that's actually wrong. And now you feel, at least for me, I felt like I couldn't trust my thought process and I couldn't trust my ability, um, to understand theology anymore. Mm. Uh, and that was really difficult for me. And I think it's something I'm still recovering from of being, uh, when I have a lot of theological things around me to take the time to process it, to make sure I'm not ever being led astray again. So I definitely think that I had to deconstruct that to be like, what does the Bible actually say about healing? What does the Bible actually say about prosperity and about wealth? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it say about faith? Uh, what does it say about God's sovereignty? Am I sovereign or is God sovereign, mm-hmm. right? Uh, sovereignty, by the way, is just a term for uh, like in control, right? Mm-hmm. The one who rules, the one who is in control, who's sovereign. Uh, so I had to deconstruct all of that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. So I'd say that's probably what made me deconstruct going through that whole process and being confronted with, uh, elements of truth because during that whole process, I was often confused. I'm like, "Mm, 
this is confusing or this doesn't make sense or can someone explain this more or what about this? And I'd have questions that I felt like were never really answered. Mm. Uh, And then actually after encountering things that I'm like, oh, wow, Paul actually says that, um, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that those who chase after wealth, I forget exactly the words he used, um, but they invite stress and issues into their lives. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd never heard that verse preached before. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, all of this to say that it was emotionally and spiritually very difficult. Hey guys, it's Elizabeth St. John here. We are so excited that you decided to take time out of your day to join in on our conversations. In case you didn't know, one of my absolute favorite things to receive are podcast recommendations from my friends. I get so pumped when a friend shares a gem of a podcast with me because now I can listen to it while driving, cooking, or just going on a long walk. Why not be that amazing friend and share this episode with someone you know would go crazy over the topic? Not only are you guaranteeing some deep chats together after they listen, but you're also helping us by giving us something better than a five-star review. You're giving a real-life recommendation. Nothing beats that. So why not hit that share button, spread the love, and help keep the conversation going? Yeah, no, no, thanks for sharing that, babes. And yeah, because we were dating at that time, and I remember mm-hmm. it was like stressful for you. But yeah. one thing I think I can commend you is, you know, it was hard, but I think you fought through it. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when you were wrestling with head coverings, and like mm-hmm. one Sunday you wore a head covering mm-hmm. because you were processing through it. And I think, um, I wish more people did that, mm-hmm. you know, just like work through it yeah rather than say this is hard or because it's hard maybe it's not real like just do the work so like i commend you for it you came a long way you know i know there's tons of stuff you're i know there's tons of stuff you're probably like oh i'm not uh, you know i'm still not think fully 100 percent through but the reality is like it's not going to be perfect but the hope is is that you the foundation that you build is solid yeah and it's that's what we can count on solid foundation rather than something that's shaky. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I applaud you, Boober. Um, I, I'm thinking about my own life. So, so yes, I did deconstruct. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I can be a bit rebellious. Yeah. I, I think it's funny because people that know me, they probably think like Joel rebellious. He's, he's like nice and he doesn't do like, I think, well, 90% of my thoughts I usually keep inside unless I get around people that I know and trust. Yeah. Then I open up and say, like, this doesn't make no sense. But, um... I side no, I feel like your rebellion is hilarious. You're not, like, I don't... Yeah, you're never the rebellious type of, like, oh, like, I'm gonna try and sneak up to a party and, like, try crack cocaine and, like, rebel against the system. You're like, I'm going to ask hard theological questions that will piss people off. Yeah, that's the way I did stuff. That's your rebellious. Yeah. <laughs> I hope yeah. we have kids that are like you. <laughs> they don't go to parties. They just like ask questions about the Bible and annoy old people. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, that, that's a, a snapshot of how I was. I, I think I still how am. You still are. I still yeah. am. I know. Uh, because here's the thing. I think coming up, I realized, like, I knew I, ta- I talked a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. You still do. I still, yeah, I still do. Um, yeah, we're on a podcast. It's a good thing I can talk, right? <laughs> if I couldn't talk, it'd just be a, me talking to a doorknob over right? here. It's, it's, it's just the Elizabeth show, Elizabeth and the doorknob. Um, but yeah, like uh, trying to think through my faith, trying to think through things. I, was, I, you know, I gave my heart to the Lord, even though I disagree with that concept now, but that's another thing. But um, I would say I became aware of my sin at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think growing up, I saw this cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. is probably the best way to describe it. I saw this dual mindedness in church mm-hmm. and I would always be confused when people say they're Christians, they would speak in tongues. They would have these really charismatic, um, big experiences at church. Music yeah. is loud. People are shaking at the altar, all that, but mm-hmm. they would still get gossip. They would still abuse their children. Mm. They would have it. So it's like, how are we having these significant moral failures, but literally still come to church and shake up? And the mm-hmm. theology around that is, you know, I grew up when it was like, you know, it's almost like that second grace kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, second grace essentially is is the whole concept that when you get saved you're like a you're like a shell yeah okay now that you that you're saved you're you're a shell you need to be filled with the holy spirit mm-hmm. and when you're filled with the holy spirit you're going to speak in tongues and it'll give you the ability to not sin mm-hmm. so when i heard that i'm like okay so i hear people speaking in tongues mm-hmm. but they're sinning so there's either two things right and i think i think god in his providence like i've never really questioned god himself Mm. but i definitely questioned his people i don't think i've ever doubted there was a god yeah right but i definitely doubted like are these your people Mm. you know because it's just like okay this is what you preach and teach yeah it doesn't happen yeah god's the truth yeah because there is there's got to be an ultimate truth i think my mind was already there but how it plays out with his people it seems like you guys say this it doesn't make it so i think i just got to a frustrating thing and i was like okay well let me just explore mm-hmm. and i got a chance to watch the the great honorable lewis Farrakhan speak mm-hmm. and I, I think the with the nation of Islam, um, I don't think I, theologically does, the, their stories never really made sense to me, right? With the uh, Yakub and and all that, it, it just never really made sense. But Islam made sense. Mm. So the nation of Islam introduced me to Islam, mm. and I saw this discipline, mm. this 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 rugged uh, push for obedience. Yeah. Uh, this communal unity that I saw. Mm. Now I'm sure people that maybe you're Muslim and you're listening and you'll be like, uh, bro, we got problems. I know you all got problems. Everyone's got problems. But yeah. on the outside, I think I saw much more unity as an outsider mm. comparatively to the being church. an insider yeah. and outsiders seeing Christianity and Christians. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just seemed like things just made sense over there. And I said, you know what, let me just start exploring it. Mm. 
Um, so I started, you know, started reading the Quran, started um, listening to some of their apologists. Um, I don't think I, I was, I don't think I was at the point of, oh, maybe I want to become an, a Muslim. Mm-hmm. But I was like flirting with the idea that, you know what, these guys seem serious. Mm-hmm. So I need to investigate this comparatively yeah. to us. And then I started researching and then that's when i started stumbling across uh christian apologists Mm. and i started stumbling uh, i stumbled across the intellectual side of the christian faith Mm -hmm. that things making sense mattered and it wasn't always about this uh airy fairy invisible force that Mm. makes you shake and speak in tongues but not love your neighbor would make you cast out demons and and roll around at the altar but not be kind that's a word right there right so it's like no there is there is the working of the spirit yes but there is a way to think through the faith Mm -hmm. and that was so attractive to me Mm -hmm. so i started inhaling a bunch of these guys like oh uh like um he's not well he's not really an apologist but i would say um alan parr was a big person i listened to a lot mm-hmm. um he, he's he's not necessarily uh, it's funny there's a lot of apologists but it was like videos but then there's core people that i listened to that kind of like brought me back over the line so mm-hmm. alan parr is one he's uh great. yeah uh, Mike, Mike, Winger. Mike Winger. He's another killer. That's awesome. Um, uh, he, he's a pastor. He's more charismatic. Like he's very charismatic, mm-hmm. but I think he, he talks very practically. Yeah. Um, Dr. Uh, Matthew Stevenson. Mm-hmm. He was, he was a big, um, help and inspiration. And then I discovered the ancient faith. So I started reading Tertullian, Mm -hmm. um, Augustine, Chanu. I started reading these people. Mm. So I realized I moved from deconstruction and then I moved into a state of reconstruction. Mm. Um, And I started to say, okay, well, I've dissected these parts. Now I need to reconstruct a faith that it actually makes sense. Um, So now, like, you know, and me i would call myself like a biblical historical creedal and confessional christian look at you so guys i told you he was smart (laughs) anyways um and the reason i can say that is because reading the scriptures looking at christian history Mm -hmm. reading our creeds Mm. um reading our confessions yeah. like some people don't even know that there's creeds some people don't even know that, say that. they don't even know which part to probably why we're having such an issue with deconstruction is that we were never first taught how to even reconstruct the foundations like exactly. how to construct a biblical and solid foundation of mm-hmm. i wasn't taught the nicene creed what yeah. the heck was or that the Apostles no one creed. told me about yeah. that but these are the two basic ones yeah and in, in, in interestingly enough in some traditions every sunday they they say say it it. yeah right so you know um some churches might do declarations or some churches might do like some there's some traditions in churches that they literally every sunday sunday after sunday they say what we believe yeah so you grow up understand okay this is what the christians 
believe us me as a believer this is what i believe Mm -hmm. so i think that's where i've landed now um and i don't think i'm in a constant state of deconstruction but i would tend to lean um in latin they would say uh from reformanda Mm -hmm. um yeah reformanda yeah but that pretty much just means always reforming Mm. right so so i'm just always reforming i'm looking at culture i'm looking at the scriptures um i'm looking at my life yeah you know um like theologically if i look at myself 10 years ago to now like no i don't i i i would say 90 percent of what i believe nine uh 10 years ago, I don't believe now. Mm. I'll be something totally different. But in 10 years, I'm. it might be different. It might be, I don't know if I'll move 90% because I think I have, a, for the most part, a good foundation. A good foundation. And but, obviously, this is not like 90% is in your basic belief in the fact that Jesus is the savior yeah, <laughs> of the universe yeah, by yeah, yeah, his yeah. death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all that, like you always believe that. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I always believe that I, I think it's much more, you know, um, my stance on the Holy spirit, mm-hmm. um, um, my stance on the authority of scripture, mm-hmm. um, my stance on what the church represents, mm-hmm. uh, not just the local church, but the Catholic church and mm-hmm. Catholic, uh, it's not Roman Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Roman Catholicism is the name they took, but like mm-hmm. the Holy Apostolic Catholic, Catholic Church, Catholic. that word Catholic is just the whole church. That means mm-hmm. every um, true believer in Jesus Christ that's on the planet, all of them together make up the Catholic Church. It's just the whole encompassing Catholic mm-hmm. Church. And also that's people, but it's also time. Yeah. So since Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, like it, it went up until the day of Pentecost and then boom, church is born. Yeah. From that moment till now, all included is the Catholic church. Mm. So yeah, I think that's where I'm at now. You know, um, I'm, I'm still very open handed, but I think when it comes to deconstruction, I, I do think this is an opportunity. And we, a reason we want to talk, I, I felt, that we should talk about something like this is because one, a lot of people are doing it and going through it. Yeah. And I think sharing our stories mm-hmm. about how we're going through it could resonate with some, some of y'all. And, um, I want to give at least five points, you know, and we can talk through them, how to move from deconstructing to reconstructing, mm. you know, you don't want to be in a perpetual place of analyzation, um, in a deconstructive sense. Mm-hmm. right eventually you need to build mm-hmm. you know when you take apart your house or you take apart things eventually you got to put it together because it's got to be used mm-hmm. so I, I think the first one i would say is find the reason why you deconstructed mm. start with the why you know maybe it's one of the four that we talked about maybe it's street credibility or your a desire to sin poor teaching church hurt but yeah. you know or maybe it's something else outside of these but figure out why because your why can help you with that first point and then you can start tackling it. So maybe it was church hurt, you know, maybe an abuse happened or whatnot. Yeah. Nail that down. Mm -hmm. And then you can open up the scriptures and say, Hey, was that person, is that person a true representation Mm -hmm. of someone that follows God? Let God be true and every man be a liar. Exactly. And start from there. What do you think about that? I think that that's, that's really, really good to step 
back, identify the moment of, you know, what started the unraveling Mm -hmm. and as difficult as it might be to question, okay, why did I feel that way? Yeah. Were my feelings valid? Yes. Um, as in, were they based off of objective, um, facts? Yes. As to what the truth is, or was it an emotional decision? And there's nothing wrong with an emotional, um, decision or experience, but you do have to critique it because exactly. your, your emotions point to something, but they don't always lead you to the truth. Oh, that's so, big. Um, that's a bar. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, another the second point I think mm-hmm. ties into what we're saying here, you know, let scripture interpret scripture mm-hmm. and not culture interpret scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that I've learned again. Um, so I'm going to bring up his name. This doesn't mean I support everything that he says. Uh-oh. This I'm going to bring up this person. This doesn't mean that I believe everything he believes, but I do think this was great. His name is John, Pastor John MacArthur. Mm-hmm. And he talked about when he studies scripture, yes, he takes people's insight and whatever, but his biggest thing is when he teaches, he wants scripture to interpret the scripture. Mm. The book should tell you what the book is saying. Mm. Once you start taking outside sources and trying to determine what it says. So we're in 2022 and I want to look at an ancient text that's been, first of all, and this is another thing when it comes to Bible translations, guys, the Bible has been transmitted, translated a lot of times, but the translations one way. Mm. Okay. One way that means we look at the original manuscripts Mm -hmm. we see what manuscripts match up the ones that make the most sense we put down into english Mm -hmm. it's not like we went to to one language to one language to one language to one language so we we should probably do another episode on that Mm -hmm. but guys it's from the man the ancient greek manuscripts we have them we put into english right when we look at that when we look at the scriptures we can't take a 2020 understanding of the world mm-hmm. and put it there. Yeah. Because language is different. Culture is different. This is like the Middle East over 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. People, technology, things are different. So we can't just assume the culture is going to give us an accurate understanding of what the scripture is saying. Yeah. So he says scripture should interpret it scripture. You don't understand what a part of scripture says, write it down, keep reading. Yeah. And hopefully, and, and usually what happens is eventually scripture. Oh, this answers what I had back there. This is what you should do when you're deconstructing. Yeah. You have anything to add to that? Yeah. Um, no, I think you explained that perfectly. Babe. <laughs> oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. I guess school is doing something. So <laughs> number three, don't fall into echo chambers. Ooh, that's a good one. Y'all what happens is because right now there's also like a deconstructing ep- echo chamber that's happening. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like if you follow the new evangelicals. Yeah. On Instagram. Now the thing, mm-hmm. even with them, they bring up a lot of great points, mm-hmm. but I think they're falling into an echo chamber that it's like, well, are we trying to build blocks to growth? Are we trying to get to a place of reconstruction mm-hmm. or we're just perpetually saying this makes no sense? This makes no sense. Uh. Mm-hmm. So, and again, I think they fall prey to 
what we said in number two, it's like, is the scripture interpreting scripture or is your, is the mindset of the culture interpreting scripture mm-hmm. or the, the 2022 view of sexuality? Are we, is that interpreting the scriptures mm-hmm. or we're letting the scripture say what the scripture is saying? Mm-hmm. And when you get into the echo chambers, y'all, you will never get out mm-hmm. one Instagram Facebook, all of them, they're built that way. Yeah. Oh, this is who you always like to see. We're going to give you more of it. It triggers you. We're going to give you more of is, it. <laughs> you like it? There we go. I, I, read books with people you disagree, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, read ideal. So example, like the biggest, another big talk is uh, CRT, critical mm-hmm. race theory. Mm-hmm. Read people that are for it. Read people that are against it. Mm-hmm. Read people that started CRT, mm-hmm. right? You know, look at what they're saying so you can understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us, when we don't do those things, whether religious or not, when we fall into our echo chambers, it's going to be impossible for to get out of deconstructing Mm -hmm. because everybody is just mad at the other side. Mm -hmm. The whole point is you don't want to get get tied down to sides. You want to get tied down to the truth. Mm -hmm. And there is objective truth because if there's no objective truth then that spirals into a whole different realm tied down to the truth. And that's going to be hard because the truth doesn't usually agree with ours, Mm. our viewpoint. Right. Um, So that's going to be super important. What do you think about echo chambers? Yeah. Like I've experienced it Um, as someone that is like, I would say pretty introverted and um, what's the word that I'm looking for? not sensitive, but you know, when things affect you, um, a bit more. No, not sensitive. Like, um, what is it called? When you feel everybody, what's happening in everybody. Yeah, like I, I forget the word. I'm yeah. sure you guys know it, but I'm very much a feeler. So I can get overwhelmed easily by lots of opinions, thoughts, and feelings. Uh, so echo chambers, I totally understand. I think for me, it's usually trying to be, um, as you said, like, okay, let's step back. You've said this. Let me evaluate this. I have my thoughts. I have my biases. I have my feelings. What is the truth? And now I know, is this person correct or are they false? And you move from there. Mm -hmm. I think that's the best way to sort of go at it. And sometimes the, even in the echo chambers, there's emotions that are in there that are very true. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like, no, that's a very valid emotion. You had a very valid experience. But as we said, that doesn't negate what the objective truth is. Exactly. Um, another one, walk with accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, well, accountability already is a buzzword. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes people even overuse it um, or some people, you well, they weaponize it. Um, but I think people knowing where you're at mm-hmm. is big. Yeah. Um yeah, people know where you're at is big. You know, if you if you got, you know, when it comes to deconstructing your faith, I, I think trust your friends that are that will give you godly advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and godly advice is different than Christianese advice mm. or churchy advice. Mm-hmm. Godly advice. Um, and when you say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with this. Like, I'm not really sure if God's real. I'm trying to think through it, but I'm not really sure. To be honest, I think I think telling people where you're at is huge. One, because people can pray for you. Yeah. Two, people can give you resources that can help. And three, people can check up on you. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't have to go through it in silence. Um, and this is also hoping 
and again, this is where it goes to the what your reasoning is. Mm-hmm. Why are you deconstructing? Yeah. Because you know, if you if you're deconstructing because you want to do what you want to do, your real friends can see through the BS. Exactly. Or there's a very strong motivation to not say nothing to nobody because they can't check you. They can't be like, oh, okay. So like, have you thought about this? Have you read this? Mm-hmm. Are you looking like, are, are you for real? Because yeah. if you're deconstructing, the hope is you're trying to pr- break these things apart so you can figure out the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think walking with accountability is huge. Um, last one, join a Bible teaching local church y'all jesus have mercy on me this is the biggest thing and i'm realizing number one yeah and i'm it's funny because i'm talking to one of my other friends he pastors a church in toronto and you know he's a really good speaker um maybe stylistically some people might not i i think he is a a pretty good expositor like he's Mm -hmm. looking at the scripture he's not trying to pull weird stuff out Mm -hmm. and he always talks about when people come to the church he's like yo do you know they would tell him do you know how hard it is to find like a solid preaching church here in toronto Mm -hmm. wow and i'm like whoa toronto yeah like one of the most you know populous cities yeah. in canada and, and guys not the most. it's not like there's no churches here there's churches like yeah. i guarantee if you go to toronto type churches and no matter where you're at you're probably gonna at least see minimum three to five churches yeah of course different traditions but churches nonetheless but clearly you know do the hard work of finding a bible teaching church a bible teaching mm-hmm. church is expository teaching that mm-hmm. means you, when you listen to the message you shouldn't let me put it this way the focus of the sermon should be about God and not about you. Mm. You should ha- leave with a greater revelation of who God is, a greater understanding of scripture and a more, re- uh, th- there should be a reverence on your heart of like, man, I got to change. God is good. And he's done so much for me. Mm-hmm. I like, I gotta, I, I gotta step it up. Yeah. That's what you should be leaving feeling after a Bible teaching. If you leave feeling like, you know what? I'm pretty good where I'm at. Mm-hmm. They're not teaching the scriptures. They're not. So, so I think this is something is so important because if you're really trying to seek the truth and deconstruct only the scriptures is going to help you mm-hmm. and only a church that believes in the scripture can actually help you. What do you think about that? I would say, and I know people might get offended and might not agree, but YouTube is not church. Instagram is not church. Facebook is not church. Twitter is not church. Snapchat is not church. TikTok. TikTok (laughs) TikTok is not church, guys. I know we're in a pandemic, but this pandemic has got people thinking that, you know, sitting in their beds watching Stephen Furtick means that they've gone to church. Jesus have mercy. It doesn't. It just means that you watched a sermon in your bed. Go to church. Find a local body of Bible-believing Christians um, with pastors or elders there that are teaching, as you said, that are expositing the word of God, where you're actually growing in your faith in community, not forsaking the gathering of the saints, like scripture talks about. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. <laughs> right. We probably should do an episode on like 
online church and community. But, um, but y'all listen, these five things, right. Uh, find the reason why you deconstructed, let scripture interpret scripture and not the culture interpret the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Don't fall into uh, echo chambers, walking with accountability and joining a Bible teaching local church. These are things that are going to help you deconstruct well yeah. and eventually reconstruct. Yeah. And y'all, this is the best that, that <laughs> listen, we're all trying to figure it out mm-hmm. here, right? Th- th- this is not a shot at anybody or a bash at anybody. You know, as I said, I, I'm still trying to figure things out. Elizabeth's mm-hmm. trying to fi- still figure things out. This is the best thing that you can do for yourself mm-hmm. is deconstruct well, because sometimes you can even wound yourself mm-hmm. when you're deconstructing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. You can do a lot of damage. So yeah, any last, uh, any last thoughts? I think we covered it all. Uh, you know, I hope that this was super helpful for you guys. Um, hit us up. If you have thoughts, feel free to email us. It is linked in uh, the podcast notes there, uh, as well as share this with, you know, your friends. Maybe if you have a friend that's going through deconstruction right now, you have a family member, uh, whoever it may be, someone at your church, send this to them, like get the conversation going. Yeah. Yeah. talk about this walk through it together um and yeah make sure to leave a review and leave us a five star as well yes five stars <laughs> would be great listen y'all start the conversations uh if you if you feel like you're going to a church um and you and you might be saying like i don't know i don't think i'm in a place that i i can do anything mm. before you run away to watch youtube church or what i i would encourage you set a meeting with your pastor Mm. and bring up these things that we talked about say hey listen like i don't know if we're we're teaching the word or if you have questions make a meeting with him you know and sit down and ask the questions like put pressure on these elders put pressure on these pastors that at the end of the day these are the people that are supposed to um yeah, these are people that are supposed to be looking out for your soul. So this is uh, Joelle St. John. Hey, let's keep growing, guys. Yeah, love you guys.